I may or may not have done the dirty dancing lifts successfully this weekend, and I just feel like everyone tuning in should know that. Either way, I need you to trust me, because I'm a novice. Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome to episode 4. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am your host, Sammy St. Ledger. This is the podcast about connections, talking science, psych, spirituality, and about ourselves. I'm your host, Sammy St. Ledger, lifelong learner. We have talked about this every day I am learning. And when I think about learning and when I think about how this podcast started, believe it or not, it actually started way back in June, even though Halloween is now this coming weekend. So because of that, we are looking at a fun experience that Pat Sammy had in June. Time travel is probably in line with Halloween, so I'm just going to let her take the wheel. But Pat Sammy's tapping in with Trust Me, I'm a Novice. And either way, you gotta trust me and trust past me. This is getting confusing really fast. <laughs> All right, Pat Sammy, take the wheel. Tell us about your day. Now. I'm so excited to tell you, I actually just got back from a very long weekend. And when I say long, I mean, whew, Samantha really should take a nap. But <laughs> I am caffeinated and I am ready to rock. And I just came back from a long weekend visiting my sister, go figure, but also going to a wedding. That being said, we are about to break down this whole show like we always do. Kicking it off, we're talking about what to do when you're single and you need a wedding date. Next up, we're covering why it might be a good idea to take a break from alcohol. From there, we're looking at why you should surround yourself with great people. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I'm Sammy St. Ledger. Let's get things started. things off. Don't panic. <laughs> You're at home. The mail comes in. You open an envelope, envelope, and you see you are invited to your cousin's wedding. Plus, you get a guest. Don't panic. <laughs> All right. Little background. I am the baby on both sides of my family. My dad was the youngest, so I was the very youngest. Some of my cousins are far closer to my dad's age than mine. So most of my life, I was the baby, and I didn't need a wedding date. I was six. But <laughs> within the last couple of weeks, a lot of different things have happened, and I am officially an adult in the eyes of my family. So not only do I need a wedding date for this coming weekend, which I will get into soon on how I selected this said person, but not only this, but the wedding I just went to, that person needed a date as well. Little backstory to the situation. More or less, I was sitting in a college dorm, as one college student does. And I was on FaceTime with my sister. And her roommate, just like, she was like, oh, wait a sec, Sam. Um, we'll call him Steve. Steve wants to speak to you. And I was like, all right, awesome, cool. And I took the phone and I was like, yo, what's up, Steve? And Steve was like, what are you doing June 5th? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, what day is it? He's like a Saturday. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll be asleep, assumingly so. And he's like, you want to go to a wedding with me? And I like paused for a second. And I'd been close with this kid for so long. So he's very much like an older brother to me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Why not? 
Fast forward several months later, we went to a wedding. And going to this wedding and having a wedding coming up got me thinking about a lot of different things that go into having a wedding date when you're single. I laughed about it earlier, but straight up, don't panic. I think sometimes when you need a wedding date, there is this kind of, we'll say, pressure that surrounds it in a lot of different ways. There's definitely this first off which i think is hilarious but some people will look at it as a reminder that they're single similar to how valentine's day or christmas gets people reminded that they do not have a significant other you know cuffing season but (laughs) basically i think sometimes sure it's a reminder of that but not only that i think more people sometimes and this happens not just with weddings but there's this idea of family judgment i say judgment it doesn't actually even mean negative but more or less you're going to wedding you're bringing somebody and in my situation regardless of the actual relationship but it might be the first time you're bringing somebody around and that within itself can bring on a lot of added pressures so first off what i want to say about both of those if you've had those experiences is plain and simple it's not that deep and it's just not the way i see it a wedding is a celebration so look at it as an opportunity The way I thought about it when I got these invitations and when I was asked to go, it's like, wow, oh my gosh, wait, I get to go to this wedding or, whoa, I get to pick somebody to come with me? I thought of it as, oh my gosh, this actually sounds kind of awesome. To connect it all the way back, the guy I just went with, my really good friend, his mother made a good point. And she had said when we stopped by their place, she's like, honestly, low key, it's kind of the best of both worlds because you're not taking your significant other. And she made like a joke. It's like, not one of you is going to have too many drinks and you're going to get in a fight about something. And it just kind of hit me that weddings, while they are a celebration, when you're with significant others or with a date that is way more romantic, I definitely would say that it is a little bit, we'll say there's a possibility for an issue. There's a lot of possibilities for problems. But When you go with just your friend, it's kind of awesome because you can actually set a goal for, and not even just your friend, but when you just go with a date that you're not necessarily that close with, you can straight up set a goal for what your intention is, how you want it to go, and from there you can keep in mind how to select a wedding date. Now, people will clearly have different goals for what they want to accomplish with said wedding date, but personally, I think the best thing and the one main thing you should do is go with your best friend or go with a great friend because it's a celebration. It's an opportunity for you to go look good, dance, have fun, eat good food, meet people. It's an opportunity for a lot of fun. And if you go with somebody that also is fun, the whole night your eyes are going to be on the prize of we're just going to have a blast and there's going to be no drama, which is so ideal. And you're just going to end up having an absolute blast. So overall, it is just so worth actually going with a good friend or a best friend in the situations where you don't have a date. And I personally think you should default to that first before you think about bringing a romantic interest, especially too, because if you're just talking to somebody and you invite them to a wedding, while in many movies, it makes for a phenomenal plot line realistically, like, (laughs) just that it's kind of a big ask. Because too, if you're going to a wedding, we talked about family pressures that surround it. They might meet your family and everything that goes along with that might just be extra stress that you don't need to invite. That or personally, if I was invited to a wedding right off the bat when I was talking to somebody, I am a little bit adventurous. So I might go along with it. But it also can make the other person feel far too pressured and feel like things are moving quickly. So I think it's worth just, when in doubt, you don't have a date, bring a friend. So now, the way I see it, you and your friend are already in a habit of having fun together. So you get there, and fun is prioritized above all else. But now comes the question. You're probably thinking, all right, Sammy, got it. Bring my BFF. A, what if I don't have a BFF? B, I got a lot of friends. Or see, I don't have that many friends. How do I pick the friend to go with me? Who do I pick? And first off, you can bring whoever. I specifically brought 
well, I will be bringing and did go with someone of my opposite gender, but you could easily bring like just a close friend that identifies with you the same. Whoever you want to bring is fine. Either way. So you're thinking, all right, but which friend do I bring? And I have put together a nice list of what we are looking for when it comes to picking the wedding date friend. First off, they need to be outgoing. And I say this because when you're at a wedding, you're seeing family and or and or you're not seeing family. The wedding I just went to just so happened to be this friend's co-worker was getting married. So he did not know 90% of the people there. It can be hard enough when you're trying to get to know people and you're trying to be friendly, sociable, and you have another person with you that is not that talkative. That in itself, that can be kind of difficult. If they're like hiding in the corner or in the bathroom, and you're just trying to be like, yo, what's up? Uh, hello, everyone. My dad, I've, hi. <laughs> oh, it's just me now. You know, like, you don't, you want to make sure you go with somebody outgoing for that reason, just to make it easier when you're talking to people. But also, you never want to be in a situation where you're babysitting someone. That term is a little straightforward, but you don't want to bring somebody, and this goes for any date event ever. Oh my gosh, you do not want to bring somebody that is just flat the whole time and just very doesn't want to talk to anybody, doesn't want to have a great time. Just because it's just like I said, it's going to make your life harder because then you're focusing on them the whole time when the point of this is just to go and let's just have fun. That in itself, I think prioritizing and picking somebody that you know is outgoing, that you know if you run over and start talking to, you know, Kevin that that person will locate another person to talk to and they'll be super easy about it. That will just make your life so much easier because you won't be worried. And because you're not worried, you're going to have a blast. Moving forward, another thing important to note, which kind of doesn't sound like a huge deal, but bring somebody that likes to dance. Honestly, the biggest part of most weddings, besides the actual ceremony of people obviously getting married, Dancing is huge at weddings, and if you like to dance, if you're me basically, but <laughs> if you like to dance, you got to bring somebody that does too. Because again, it's like you don't want it to be awkward. You don't want one person to be doing one thing, the other one thing. You want to be on the same page and have somebody to dance with because dance floors sometimes, <laughs> I'm sure we can all think back to being 13 years old in our middle school gyms, but <laughs> or junior high, you know. Dance floors are the scene of a lot of uncomfortable encounters and relationships. So if you don't want to be alone on the dance floor, and don't get me wrong, I would proudly be alone on the dance floor. But if you don't want to have that experience, make sure you have somebody that's going to dance with you. It's going to make it so much more fun and you're going to avoid every possible awkward ah, I'm by myself moment. Not only that, I think another really cool thing to note is bring somebody that likes to get dressed up. I know when Steve asked me to come that right away, he was like, honestly, the way I saw it, we take great pictures together <laughs> and you like to dress up. And I was like, yeah, that's true. We both like to. And I was like, we're low key just gonna go look good, pop off, whatever you wanna call it. Go look good. And that's also a huge fun component of a wedding. You don't wanna bring somebody that is going to complain the whole time about, their suit's too hot or their feet hurt or, and you know, shout out to my ladies I know, or men, but shout out to anybody wearing heels. That is not the most fun endeavor. Definitely keep that in mind. Don't be bringing anybody that you know is going to complain the whole time about the way they're dressed. Bring somebody that loves dressing up, shows up for themselves like that, and is going to look good with you that you can just take some fire pictures with or just Walk around and look good together. I think that is just an underrated way to have fun with somebody. So definitely look into that. And full disclosure, my feet were killing all night, but I didn't tell Steve until the next day because I said, quote, I didn't want to be annoying. <laughs> all right. And then last but not least, one more thing to note that's a little bit more of like a wild card factor. If you don't necessarily feel comfortable with getting asked a lot of questions from your family, or just, I think there's been a lot of memes about getting asked about your romantic situation by your family. And again, while I don't necessarily mind it, 
This was pointed out to me by my sibling who was like, yeah, you should totally, full disclosure, I am now also bringing Steve to this wedding this weekend. And she was like, you should totally bring him because he's my roommate. So it's a lot easier when our family's like, hey, who did you bring? Who's your date? To be like, oh, this is Steve, Sydney's roommate. And it's just pretty easy. It's pretty quick to be like, oh, this is Steve, Sydney's roommate. I didn't have a date. And it's so quick and easy and clear. It doesn't have to be like, well, this is my friend. And then you get the look that's like, is it your friend? And you know how it goes when you're young. (laughs) And that's specific to if you get uncomfortable. But it just reduces every inch of, I don't want to say drama, because I don't think getting asked about your love life is dramatic. I think it's personally kind of funny. But (laughs) it reduces any type of awkwardness, anything you don't want to experience. So if you check all those boxes, more or less, you should have a pretty darn seamless night. So as, (laughs) so I already spilled the beans, but yes, he checks all these boxes. He's a great friend of mine. I went to a wedding last week with Steve where we got to test out our wedding date potential. And this weekend, he is coming as my wedding date to my cousin's wedding this coming Saturday. I assume it'll be great fun, knock on wood. Someone knock on wood wherever you are. But (laughs) he's going to make it fun because I know we already had a blast and it's awesome I get to bring him. Overall, that is my recommendation. If you are going to a wedding, you don't have a date, don't panic. Bring a great friend. All right, so thanks, Pat Sammy, for taking the wheel there. That being said, while that was recorded back in June when I did have a wedding, wedding season is still upon us. A lot of people didn't get to have their weddings when they wanted to because of the pandemic. How many times will I say it? I don't know. But that being said, I feel like the information is still super applicable to current situations and it's getting colder out, but, you know, still warm fuzzies in the air. Love. Oh, God, that one was bad. Um, But (laughs) either way, I hope the information was helpful and gave us all something to laugh about. Next week, I'm sure we'll get the snorkelers again and go deep from the jump. But we are going to take a quick break. But stay tuned, because when we come back, we will be talking about your relationship with alcohol. Ah... are now turning the tables a little bit obviously we just talked about weddings and we're talking about a substance that is often at weddings alcohol (laughs) those of you drinking wine and listening to this are like quietly look up (laughs) kind of look around Uh, (laughs) now basically we're talking about our relationship with alcohol and different substances that are legal in the united states of america unless you're listening to this somewhere else but we're talking about legal substances (laughs) and Basically, just the complicated relationship that is created around it and learning to find a balance with your consumption. So, first off, alcohol consumption is very odd and different substance consumption is very odd and confusing because I think what happens is when we're kids, kids get taught to not touch any of it for good reason. It is bad for their development. The human brain itself is not fully developed till 21. So as far as just drinking goes, that is actually why I believe those rules were put into effect because you don't want to hurt your brain development until it is fully formed. That being said, I still though think we run into problems by acting like things and substances and things like that are so, so, so bad to young kids because it's that kind of action-reaction situation where we tell kids something is bad for so, so, so long that when they're finally able to touch it, they go a little bit crazy. I don't think it's necessarily shocking that the U.S. is incredibly supportive of heavy drinking culture in college and heavy partying culture in college. 
because it really is the first time kids are away from their families. And for a lot of kids, it is their first time drinking. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing that it is their first time drinking because I definitely think I personally did not drink in high school as I shouldn't have it was illegal. But also, I definitely think if you get into things too young and don't understand how to balance it, how to drink appropriately, responsibly, everything under the table, I think it can prevent you from reaching your full potential. I really do. But that being said, it's kind of a very complicated relationship that comes out of it, though, because then by the time, again, you're finally able to have access to things like that, a lot of people go overboard. And I think it's interesting even what happens in college, what we are indirectly pressured to do and or social pressure we feel to act a certain way, to go out all the time. I think a lot of people listening, and I don't just mean college, but if you have had friends or even family, but if you have been surrounded by people that the primary way they socialize is through alcohol, marijuana, any type of substance consumption, I think, unfortunately, you start to associate just being social with those things to the point that it'll happen sometimes when you're in college. Benders is a word for a reason, as bad as it sounds, for weeks at a time where you don't go a day without consuming those things. We have this joke in college, and it's a dark joke, but one I've heard is it's not alcoholism if you're in college. And I don't think that's a great joke to make because we definitely overextend ourselves. And I think a lot of people do. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can think back, those of you that aren't in school anymore or those of you that are in school, but can think back to times where maybe you went a little overboard. And I'm not saying everyone doesn't do it, but I think the challenge is once you realize maybe now this is too much, trying to find a balance for still enjoying life because life is about enjoyment, experiencing different things, but also not drinking or potentially smoking, whatever you want to call it, in excess to the point that it is harming your overall mental health or inhibiting you from achieving more. So first off, my favorite, favorite sentence, favorite thing to instill in people is Just being honest with yourself, I know people that could go out, could drink seven days in a row, two weeks in a row, and they would not skip a beat. They would still be kicking. They would be happy. They would have their lives together. But I'm totally not that person. (laughs) I think that I am. I could do a lot. I could do a lot. I'm pretty good at routines, pretty good at keeping my life together. But I, you got to be honest with yourself to an extent and be like, what kind of person I am, what relationship with alcohol, with substances is the best for me to have balance and to still be a productive human being, to still be able to work out the next day, to still be able to complete, whether it's homework or work or maybe take care of my kids or not that I specifically have kids, but or maybe take care of your kids. You got to be super honest about what works. And just because your best friend's is better at keeping it together in that capacity or is a different relationship does not mean you have to have the same one. So while we're being honest with ourselves, there are two key questions we need to be asking. And the first one is, how is this impacting my future? And that sounds like kind of a loaded question. And it's not necessarily intended to make anyone panic, to make anyone feel, oh, I need to change all this, go sober, stop drinking, go on a cleanse. But more just in the sense of, are you consuming substances so much that you are not putting any effort into who you want to become? My favorite sentence or one of my favorite phrases itself is work hard, play hard. It's a neat phrase because I like the idea of putting an effort, but also knowing when to relax and when to have fun. If you are playing hard, it's also good to consider whether or not you're working hard because As much as your young adult life should be full of fun and experiences and going out and all those things, if you don't put in the work now, you will regret it. And you don't want to put yourself in a position to regret. So be honest. Know maybe when you're drinking. I always had a rule and I would always just say to people when I was in college that be like, Sammy does not drink earlier than 4 p.m. And I pretty much stuck by that rule almost all of college. 
And it sounds silly because it sounds like a small little rule to put in place. But it was one situation where I was very clear and honest and knew what was going to work and knew what wasn't. Whereas I would definitely make sure all my homework was done, made sure I worked out, made sure any future planning I needed to do, like applying for an internship or going to a club. I made sure all of that was taken care of before I would do anything. And that way, too, the other thing, too, with focusing on your future, but also enjoying yourself, you want to be at a point that you don't get anxious when you're out and having fun because you feel like you need to be working on other things. You want to know that you took care of your future so then you can relax and enjoy life. You want to plan, but also know when to take a break. So if you are aware and being honest with yourself, if you feel like your habits are beginning to, or if your habits have generally prevented you from really working on who you want to become or who you are, I think it's really important that that's a first clear sign that you might want to take a break. And I don't so much mean a drastic break. I don't mean you need to not do anything for months on end, but it might be a good time to create a small little routine. Maybe just pick a couple days a week that you know you're not doing anything or take a week off. You need to listen to yourself and know what works. And you're not going to know what works if you don't try to just take a break from something. And it's worth testing it out because you can not only take that time to just let your body just kind of detox. I mean, alcohol is a toxin. You want to just be able to chill and see what's all happening. I know a lot of people that are spiritually inclined talk a lot about that alcohol can inhibit your intuition, which I totally agree with. If you're ever wondering why you made a terrible decision while drinking, it's the intuition, I swear. <laughs> Actually, though, jumping to psych really quick, when you drink, alcohol actually has an effect on the prefrontal cortex in the front of your brain, and it's the part of your brain involved in decision-making. So, you know, the, the bigger the effect, the booze, huh, it's Halloween, has on your brain, potentially the worst decisions you're going to make. All right, back to what we're talking about. Alcohol does inhibit your intuition. So you want to remove yourself from consistent, consistent consumption of different substances to see where you're at, where you need to be at, if you're comfortable with it, you want to at least give yourself the opportunity to see if you need to make a change. Not only this, but the main reason this came to my attention was a funny little conversation I had a while ago and the way that conversation kept showing up in my life as a little reminder. So basically, I just finished out senior year and anybody that's been a senior in college especially at a big college, knows that those last couple months, those last couple weeks, most of the studying is done. And because most of the studying is done, it is very easy to be encouraged to go out and party, enjoy life, whatever you want to call it. The thing with that was I remember, I want to say I had been just having fun for like three days. I was talking to one of my good friends and I remember feeling anxious. I was upset that I was falling back on something I was working on, all these different little things. She obviously was an awesome friend, supported me and talked me through it. But at the end, she just went, I mean, I know how you get after three days of drinking. And it was so funny because I think sometimes I try so hard to be self-aware, but your friends notice things in you that you don't always notice within you. And the way she brought that to my attention, ever since then, I swear it's clockwork. I could tell if I drink past three days in a row, my mental health starts playing games, for lack of better words. I can tell that there is a change in how I'm thinking, how I'm acting, my energy levels, but also just my thoughts right there clearly have learned my limit. So that is a personal example. But if we look at some of the science of this, right? You thought I wasn't, you thought I wasn't going to go into the science. Oh, I know. Before I even get into the science, I said this before, alcohol is a toxin. It, it is a toxin. So I think we got to be real with ourselves about that in the first place. And now obviously certain types of alcohol, red wine has some antioxidants. There can be some benefits to some, but definitely 
it's a toxin. And I think first off, it's funny that we will live our lives thinking it only affects my body. Per se, you're hungover the next day after drinking. I think it's funny that we don't always take into account how it's actually affecting our brain. We're just thinking about how it feels physically. Trust me, I am in fact a novice. I took to the internet to get the full scope of this. What is going on is, first off, it's interesting to look at alcohol affects your neurotransmitters. They're basically just chemical messengers. Looking at the definition, they're molecules used by the nervous system to transmit messages between neurons or neurons to muscles. So they send signals, they send messages all over the body, and alcohol inhibits them or suppresses them. Long story short, it affects them. And one specifically that alcohol affects is, drumroll, that's not a drumroll, drumroll, serotonin. Serotonin, the happy hormone, the one we get from petting kittens. I know, I know, sad. But serotonin is involved in a ton of different things in the body. It is a natural mood stabilizer. And looking this up, I'm reading this off of Healthline, but I am familiar with this. Basically, Serotonin reduces our depression, our anxiety, it helps heal wounds, it stimulates nausea, it maintains bone health, it's involved overall in your sexual health, involved in your sleep cycle, it's involved in a lot of different things. What happens, and it's intriguing, and if anything, it makes a lot of sense that serotonin is specifically located within our guts, and alcohol goes right into the stomach. Ugh, go figure, right? I was reading this article and it's from healthnavigator.org. It does a good job of explaining what happens. And an article from the website reads, The relaxed feeling you get when you first drink is a sign that your brain chemistry is starting to change. The alcohol is depressing the part of the brain associated with inhibition, so you may feel more confident and less anxious. Drinking also lowers the level of serotonin in your brain, a chemical that helps to regulate your mood. When this happens, negative emotional responses such as anger, aggression, anxiety, or depression can start to take over. This not only happens each time you drink, but can have an accumulative effect so that if you drink regularly, your serotonin levels get lower and lower. Rather than improving your mood, alcohol can gradually make it worse. Now, this article goes on to say, so how is it affecting our mental health? And it reads, Alcohol can interact with your mental health in two ways. It can make existing conditions worse, and it can lead to developing them. Anxiety and depression are more common in heavy drinkers, and heavy drinking is more common in those with anxiety and depression. Putting this all together, A, it's silly for us to not take into account how alcohol and other substances can be affecting our mental health, but it's important to note and monitor yourself to see how they're affecting. Personally, I now know by day three, I got to knock it off because I will not be as happy, motivated, calm, you name it. You got to monitor yourself. And I think it is so okay to take a break because we know even scientifically there is stuff going on. And if your brain chemistry is being altered, let's take care of our brains. We need to take care of ourselves. Not only if you notice it's inhibiting achievements like we talked about earlier, potential future achievements. If you feel the way you're living your life and the substances you are consuming, if you feel like they're starting to just affect how you're feeling overall, or if you feel like you've been feeling off for a while and notice that you actually have been consuming things more than usual and things like that, it's important to take a step back and look at what is going on and give yourself that break. You don't know what it could lead to and you might end up picking up such a healthier habit. As I say all of this, the key word that comes out of any talk often about these situations is moderation. A lot of people talk moderation, but I think also it's important to say moderation that works with your natural rhythm. Moderation that goes with what you need. So listen to your body and find out what moderation means to you. For some people, it might be just taking a day off once in a while. For others, it might be taking three weeks off. It all just depends, but pay attention to what's going on and notice how you feel after your experiences and after you've been out and things of that nature. Notice how you're sleeping. Notice all the little things going on in your body. And if you keep in mind those things, you're going to find a way better balance. And even then, you can easily too go on just a break and see what happens. I think it's cool that we can even give ourselves the opportunity to take a break because... 
when we take a break, we can see if, again, we want to change or if there is room for healthy change and improvement within our daily lives. So that being said, we talked about feeling pressure from friends and things like that. If you're in an environment where you want to take a break, but you feel like you're constantly surrounded by people, stay strong and don't let anybody tell you how to live. Don't let anyone encourage you if you really do want to make a change. And not only that, if you know you're going to be in a situation where you are easily persuaded, don't put yourself in that situation if you really want to stick to taking a break. So there's no shame in that. It doesn't make you any lesser of a human being. If you don't go out with your friends one night, it'll be okay. (laughs) Stay in, read a book, drink tea, take time for yourself so you can overall make sure you're still working on yourself. That being said, we just talked about getting pressured by friends. (laughs) Stay tuned because coming up, we are going to talk about surrounding yourself with good people. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. We will be right back. to like you same so did i (laughs) that's just not the case thank you to everybody that is still tuned in we've had a lot of fun today kind of laughing talking i've been pretty upbeat which is always wonderful now i kind of want to get a little bit more serious with a positive spin on why you should surround yourself with people that make you a better person and how to locate those people. First off, I joke with that question of, do you want everybody to like you? Because I think a lot of people that are sweet, empathetic, you get in this mindset that somehow your self-worth is tied to how many people like you instead of do you even like them? And it's funny because for so long, you'll be a part of groups and you want to be within groups and you want to be friends with everybody. And what happens is when you're super sweet, super empathetic, you really do start to think that just in general, a lot of people value your friendship the same way you value theirs. And when you go in with this mindset, with this mindset that I'm going to be super great to somebody, I'm going to be a great friend, because of this, they have to reciprocate that. You're asking for a change in energy. You're asking that if you do all this, that this has to happen. And In life, when we expect anything to happen, it often doesn't. Or when we believe we just deserve it because of something we did, not because of who we are and all these different things, you get stuck in these different situations. And not only that, but I think sometimes when you are a more empathetic person, you expect every relationship with a friend to be exceptionally deep and supportive and rewarding and all the things that go into a very healthy friendship. The problem is, unfortunately, not everybody will ever think the way that you do. Fundamentally, based on your personality, you might not click with somebody. And not only that, a lot of times, I think when we don't click with somebody, we want to look inside of ourselves and think, why don't they like me as much as I like them? Is there something wrong with me? And all these different things. Whereas, first off, it might just come down to a personality difference. But not only that, if you're a sweet person, if you're a good friend, if you know you're generous, if you know you possess all these traits and somebody is not being nice to you, it is very clearly something personal within themselves. And keep in mind how somebody is treating you is often a reflection of what's going on within them. And they probably don't like themselves a ton either. And I think it's important to note that I want to, in future episodes, talk more about not taking things personally something that I have been working on since the day I came out of the womb, to say the least. But if things 
don't always feel like they're being reciprocated. It might be something very personal within that person, or maybe it just wasn't meant to be. And I think sometimes too, when we get into friendships that don't end up working out, there's an inclination when things don't work out to dislike that person. This could be in relationships too, but there's an inclination that we should maybe ice them out, not talk to them, all these things. But if you had a friendship with somebody, you probably gained something valuable from it and you probably had a lot of good time together. So if you can just take a step back and look at that friendship as something you learned and honestly that it was a valuable time in your life, it's okay that you're not best friends with somebody anymore. It just simply wasn't meant to be. They were still meant to be in your life, but maybe they're just not meant to be with you forever. I think when we still try to stay attached to relationships that we clearly know are not serving us. I think a lot of people, right now everybody listening, I want to sit for a second and think about some type of relationship that you put in more effort and it is not matched. Now I want you to think and ask yourself, why do I still participate in the relationship? I think it's worth sometimes asking ourselves these questions because I've reached points in relationships with friends where I've had to sit down and kind of be like, Sam, what are you trying to prove? I had to hit that point because when you want everybody to like you or when you want to just have happy, positive relationships, there's nothing wrong with being a kind person. But if you're overextending yourself, you want to ask why. What are you trying? I always try to ask myself, what am I trying to prove? Inherently, does them not liking me make me think I'm a bad person or that I am not worthy? Instead of just simply looking at it as, A, do I like them? But not only that, but could there be people so much better to surround myself with? And that is what we are getting to the heart of. There's a lot of different types of friendships. I think the most difficult to come to terms with sometimes are what I like to call superficial friendships, surface level friendships. We'll say surface level because I don't think it's not even to imply that that person is superficial or that group of people, but I think there are relationships that really never get deeper than brief conversations. And sometimes these relationships, it's hard to make peace with them initially because those people might still be really nice people, but sometimes you might put in more effort to a relationship or maybe they don't respect you the same way you respect them or they don't honor the friendship the same way that you do. And I think as much as maybe in these situations we want to reject those people then, be in this mindset, this victim mindset of, oh, they don't care about me the same way I care about them, all these things. When in reality, it's okay to look at some friendships and just know that maybe they're just what I like to call party friends. <laughs> There's some friends that are really only for when you're just out and having a good time. And that's okay. That is so okay. Because if you look at the relationship that we're just going to lightly enjoy life together. That is not a bad thing at all. And you can still find value and fun within that. The thing that you want to watch is trying to think anything is deeper than it actually is. And you want to watch overextending yourself to somebody that isn't meeting you halfway. So I've gone a lot into that already. But be very careful of those things. But also accept the fact that a relationship might just be surface level. It might be light. I guess a better way to even look at it would be coworker relationships. Maybe you're not best friends with your coworker, but yet the relationship is often seen as very valuable because you're working together and you're creating something often for a company or completing a project, anything like that. It's still valuable even though you're not at the depths of everything. It's okay to honor relationships for exactly what they are and just let them exist like that. That way you're not putting out any extra stress any type of feeling that is making you extend your energy instead of bringing it right back in. And when you do that is when you attract everybody that is really meant to be in your life. And that's what's huge. It's good because acknowledging relationships that don't serve you, that do not need to be deeper than they are, that aren't part of any type of genuinely deep friendship, Acknowledging those relationships and being able to mentally separate them and remove extra energy put into them really, really opens the door for everybody that you 
really, really want to have in your life. And often what happens when this occurs is it is so much easier and you get so much more enjoyment out of life because these people just naturally float in. You open up space for them to genuinely come in and make your life better. And these people that I'm talking about, and not just these people that will come in, some of them have existed with us our entire life, but people that make you a better person. And there's a lot of ways to look for it, but it's really, really huge. I think it's really good if you feel like you have been drained lately, if you feel like your relationships aren't always serving you, if you find maybe you're often more triggered, I think it's really important to examine people you put time into and ask what they're bringing into your life and if they're improving it, if they give a positive influence. I think when I say things like that, it might be easy for us to default to maybe certain friends that party a lot or something of that nature. But just because a friend parties a lot, you might think, oh, they're, quote, bad influence because they encourage me to drink. I don't mean it like that because some of my friends that like to go out have made me so much more comfortable with going out of my comfort zone. So it's definitely important to keep everything in mind. And what I'm saying, take it within reason with a grain of salt. But surrounding yourself with people that make you feel better, that make you a better person. And being a better person can be a lot of different things. I have a great girlfriend that I had a phone call with today, and she's really good at telling me, when I'm being too hard on myself and being very loving, supportive, and listening. I think that girlfriend always, always, always has my back. And she makes me a better person because I am supported. It encourages me to be easier on myself, but she's also very motivating at the same time. She brings a lot to the table. She loves, for instance, to go exercise and work out. So when I'm with her, I find myself being very active. Now, on the other hand, I have another girlfriend that I'm super, super close with. And she is highly logical and very intelligent and also just has a lot of other good friend qualities. But she brings that to the table because I'm so emotional and helps me look at things from a very logical perspective. I have another friend that is super great at achieving and is very ambitious. And he's a great influence because I see him constantly achieving and it encourages me to keep achieving. So I'm looking at each of my friends and I find more and more that it's really neat to look and ask each person that you consider very close to you, ask yourself, what are they doing to make me a better person? And likewise, I really, really hope in the friendships that I'm engaged in, that I am also helping those friends become better people too. Other things to look for, and I think the biggest things to look for that we have talked about a lot, is your friends that are your deep friends, your core friends, There are certain fundamental aspects of friendship that should always, always be followed because you deserve them and they do too. First off, the number one thing I will always preach is support. The friend I was on the phone with today said it best. She's basically just said, no matter what happens, your friends should always be there to love and support and listen to you. And I really liked hearing that because it's so true and I've always believed it. Your friends are not there to judge you. Your friends are there to listen when things are going on, to be there for you, and to make you often make light or laugh about difficult situations within your life. And really just, they should always be there to get you through things. They shouldn't encourage you to move through something quicker. They shouldn't pass judgment on you if you're experiencing something that you're not over. Your friends should always just be there to listen and just be there for you. And in turn, you should do the exact same. It builds a beautiful foundation of a relationship because the trust you get out of knowing that person's always there for you and vice versa and that they understand you is really like nothing else. And that will keep your friendship solid for honestly the test of time. So I think that's huge. Other things to look for is how your friends respond to you doing well in life. I think a lot of people, I've been in situations where I feel like I've been achieving and I've had friends that have kind of torn me down. And at the time, I just thought they were making a joke. It was part of their personality. And while, of course, friendship should encompass making light of situations, being humorous, sometimes it would get to a point that I finally realized they're not necessarily happy for my success. And it's kind of hard to realize, but not everyone's going to be happy for your success. 
But your core friends should celebrate when you do well. They should be excited for you. And again, likewise, I love when somebody texts me. I have one friend that we have similar career paths. So whenever he texts me that he's achieved something, I get so excited. And I just think how much better is it to be in relationships that you are so happy for each other and you're just supporting so much positive energy. Last but not least, and these are just very simple core pillars of friendship. I think another huge thing is respect. I think respect is massive when it comes to friendships and the people you are surrounded with. I think a lot of people think friendship, maybe the foundation is, oh, you have to hang out every day or you should constantly be seeing each other. But I have friends that I don't always see. I have friends that I haven't seen in years, yet we're still friends because we have that level of respect for each other. And respect goes hand in hand with trust because if you don't respect somebody, they're not going to trust you. And respect looks a lot of different ways, but I think a huge thing when it comes to friendships is keeping what somebody says to you. We talked about confidentiality before. Again, we mentioned how it's one thing to go out of your way, maybe if you're really stressed about something and mention it to a very, very close relative or close friend, but you need to be exceptionally careful if you do value that friendship about what you say about that friend and about what you say about what that friend tells you behind closed doors. And that is huge because people deserve respect and you should always, always treat them with that by simply meeting them where they meet you. Speak about them kindly when you're talking about them to other people understand them and respect also goes hand in hand not only with not saying bad things behind a friend's back and or spreading things they've told you but respect also goes hand in hand with just simply matching somebody's energy i think we talk about that a lot with anything in life life is balance and if you respect somebody you will naturally meet them halfway if they're really good about calling you back i'd like to think that you're also really good at calling them back. Now, if you're me and you're trash with your phone, sorry, everybody that I have not responded to, you know who you are. <laughs> no, I'm making a joke. But if your friend pays for a meal, respect them by getting the next one. It's a very simple, conscious exchange of energy, but it makes sure that that friend knows that their efforts are not exaggerated and that they're very valid. Very simple way to look at all of this it is just very important that we surround ourselves with people that make us feel good. And how they make us feel good is by supporting us, is by respecting us, and celebrating us. And think long and hard about your friendships and what they're adding to you because when you surround yourself with people like this, on top of other traits that friends should have, right? Things that we look for. Obviously, on top of these things, I love when my friends are adventurous, when they are fun, when they like to travel, when they like to make plans. All those things are fantastic. But if you don't have the base of it, the friendship ultimately will indefinitely over time not last. And being a good friend to somebody means so much. So add to that. Be there for people improve your relationships, and be honest with yourself again where you can improve, but also be honest with yourself where people haven't. Because like I mentioned, I have been in situations where I had to sit down and just be honest about what friendships were to me, about how they weren't fulfilling anymore, about how I had been treated incorrectly. And once I accepted that the friendship wasn't as deep as I would have liked it to be, and just kept living my life, kept working on myself and involving myself in relationships with people that deserved it. I was so surprised by people I was surrounded by that I hadn't realized were truly great friends. People I'd known for a couple of years, I didn't realize the extent to which I deeply valued them being in my life. And now I've gotten to a point that everyone I speak to builds me up. And that is truly an awesome place to be in because I know 
no matter what I'm doing, they're always going to have my back. They're not going to judge me. They're going to love me and respect me. And they know I will do the same to them. And that is one of the most important things in life. So don't be afraid. If you feel like you've been overextending yourself, if you feel like things aren't adding, if you feel like someone is not putting in effort, if you feel like there's people that really just at this point are bringing you down, monitor your emotions, notice relationships that you know are harming you. It's okay to let them go. And it doesn't mean doing it in any type of petty way. When friendships end, it can just be finished or completed. It doesn't have to be anything drastically deep. It can just be you honoring the fact that it no longer serves you anymore. You don't necessarily need an explanation. You can just, again, bring that energy right back into yourself. And once you feel like you're full, realize everybody around you that's been wanting to give you that energy in the first place. We always say it, but if you're too close, you can't see the whole picture. So give yourself the opportunity to be loved properly, supported properly, respected properly, and celebrated properly by the right people. More or less, when we surround ourselves with people that not only support, love, and respect us, but also make us better people, we are facilitating, we are creating this foundation that can help us become the best version of ourselves. And that is massive. If you have the backing to become your best version, there is nothing stopping you. You are opening every doorway, every opportunity, every avenue. And if you fail, you have people to fall back on and people to re-encourage you, pick you up, listen to you, get you through it, and get you right back on track with who you know you are becoming. All right. Well, that wraps up episode four. Hope you had fun jumping back and forth in time and learning about all the wacky things we talked about today. Wacky? Wacky. Is that a word? Is that a word that people use? Eh, I don't know. That being said, if you like the show, follow it on Spotify. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, and Anchor. Follow it on all those platforms and feel free to DM me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Trust Me, I'm a Novice. And like we said last week, send me memes or your opinions. But that's it for this week. Everybody have a super happy and safe Halloween. I hope you don't get ghosted. Anyways, I am Sammy St. Ledger. This has been Trust Me, I'm a Novice. And see you next Tuesday. Just kidding. I can't say that. I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. And as always, trust me because I'm a novice.